service and it was like rough crowd there was no one was awake yet so you got a little bit extra time to sleep it's great to see all of you uh, my name is Bobby if I haven't met you yet I'm the campus pastor here at New Life Lincoln Park and so cool just to see all these faces um, looking forward to next week uh, not simply because it's an hour later but for that meal so please come and hang out it's gonna be a cool I know Alexander gave the details but just want to reaffirm that it's gonna be a great time for all of us in the church family just to hang out and laugh and eat together and so looking forward to that um, as we get into the message today, normally I would say, hey, turn to this passage, but we're going to be kind of all over the place in the book of Proverbs. And so if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to start there, but we're going to be kind of jumping all over the book of Proverbs this morning, and I'll have those verses up on the screen. Um, to get started, though, I want to tell you the story. So at the end of the summer, my watch broke, and so that's a story in and of itself, but I didn't realize how much I was relying on the watch until after... Uh, by not having it for a couple weeks. So about mid-September, I got a new watch. And one of the features on the watch is it gives me a warning um, if the noise in the environment is too much. And so if it's really, really loud, I get an alert like this, where it'll tell me, my slide, it'll tell me you know, sound levels have hit 90 decibels. And so if it's over that, you know, hey, don't be in this area for a long time. So I've had this thing go off in concerts, um, we, I've had it, I mean, just maybe sometimes being around the city, a siren goes by. Uh, last night at the talent show, it went off during Kate's drum solo, uh, but that was totally worth it. That was awesome. And so, had these different moments where it's gone off. The funniest moment uh, was when I actually, around the first time I first got it, was I was at my son Jackson's soccer game, and me and another dad, we coached the team, and so we're on the sideline doing our thing, and it goes off. And I'm like, 90, that's, what, what is going, what is... What is so loud? It was me. <laughs> and so I was yelling and just coaching and like, you're doing awesome. We're hanging over here. And so I finally got off is, you're over 90 decibels. <laughs> Let's bring it down. And so I went and showed the coach. I'm like, hey, check it out. I guess I'm a little loud here. And he thought it was the funniest thing in the entire world. Literally two weeks later, he texted me out of the blue and just said, I just want you to know I keep thinking about your watch and the fact that I warned you that you were too loud. I've told that story to so many people in the last two weeks. Last what night, Friday, we had an awards banquet for the team, and he brought it up then as well. And so I apparently needed this warning that I was being too loud. Wouldn't that be great, though, 
if we had a little alert or a beep or something like that go off at different times in our lives when different things happen. For example, like beep, hey, you're eating too much here. Let's watch it. Keep pull it back a little bit. Or beep, hey, you sound a little bit, you sound a little jerky in this moment. Watch your tone or whatever. Or beep, you know what? That show's probably not the best thing you should be watching. Or beep, your breath is horrendous right now. You know, just kind of these little alerts to help us navigate life when, you know, you get off course and you have that little beep, that alert, that thing pops up to give you that warning of where you're going or what's happening. That would be really helpful. But unfortunately, we don't have that alert. Sure, there might be different things here and there, but we don't have that alert all the time. We have to, we have to be intentional and we have to be responsible and following Jesus, we have to be missional as we go about our lives. We just don't have these alerts that go off and say, hey, go this route, go this route. But we do get direction and we do get guidance and we do get wisdom for the Lord. And we have to be intentional within those things. We're in this series right now talking about next steps, uh, different habits, different specific things that God has given us as we follow him to work on that relationship with him. Not just tasks, not just check boxes, um, not to make life miserable, but different things that, hey, if we're going to work on this relationship, if you're going to thrive following me, here's the different things that you do. And, and one of the passages we've been uh, coming back to in this series is Hebrews 12, 14. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. So that, that phrase, work at living a holy life, that's really what this series has been about. What are the things that we need to do to work at being holy? Not to work to get God to love us because he loves us perfectly. Not to work to have a relationship with God because that's not how it works. It's putting the effort in to live this life that he's given us, to have that thriving relationship with him. And so we've talked about different things like reminding ourselves of our identity in him. We've talked about engaging and meditating on scripture. We've talked about being hospitable. We've talked about sharing our story. And the thing that we want to talk about today is we want to talk about how do we navigate our finances? How do we navigate our resources? And we want to because this is such a big, huge issue in our worlds today. Anybody have money, regardless of the amount? I know the answer to that. Anybody ever stress about money? I don't want, you're, just the act of thought of that is stressful to think about. <laughs> so I, this is just, this topic is important and it's as practical as it can come. And it's super important. And the Bible talks about how important this is in many places throughout scripture. In the New Testament in 1 Timothy, it says this, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It isn't telling us that money is evil. The Bible never talks about, says that. But the Bible says it can be a root. It can be a cause of evil. It's something we need to be careful about. It's something we need to be mindful of. We can't just think about this and respond to this flippantly or haphazardly or with apathy. We have to be intentional. We have to be responsible. Um, and so that, this is a really important issue. Jesus talks about it. He himself says that there's a pull for the loyalty of our heart. There's a pull for our loyalty when it comes between God and it comes between our resources. It says in Matthew 6, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so as we think about what does it mean to follow Jesus, as we think about spiritual habits, that help us develop this relationship with Jesus. As we talk about working on having, living a holy life, we need to talk about money. 
We can act foolish or we can act wise when it comes to our resources. We can act like the culture around us or we can live holy as God calls us to be. And so we, that's what we want to do. How do we live faithfully to the Lord in this area? And so today we're going to talk about stewardship. How do we manage the resources that he's given us? Before we jump into it, I just want to pray and ask that God would speak to us on this important issue. Let's pray together. God, we do. We come before you as a church family just to uh, thank you for the God that you are, that we can be together in your presence. God, we're thankful for your love for us. We thank you for, for your provision. We're thankful for, God, how you've made this church family what it is. And I pray that you would speak to us. Um, I know that in a room like this, there's different people who are uh, coming to this issue and from different angles and with different amounts of stress or concern or whatever that might be. And for all of us, God, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your guidance. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge and convict where we need that, that you would give us guidance on how to mismanage what you've provided for us. Uh, so, Spirit, I pray that you would move in this place, uh, wherever people are listening, um, and that you would just speak to our hearts on this important issue. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so it comes down to this. You can manage your money, or your money is going to manage you. Uh, you can be in the driver's seat, or it can be guiding. Uh, it's an issue, for, like I said, for every single one of us have to deal with. This is as practical as it can get. And the reality is, is that God knows more about this issue than we do, which is why he equips us with wisdom on how to handle and manage our finances. He doesn't give us, like I said, that alert that's going to go off on our phone all the time. He gives us guidance. He gives us wisdom. He gives us principles to live by, which is why we're going to be looking at Proverbs. Proverbs is full of wisdom. And what do we mean by that? Wisdom is how do we go about the life that we're living? What, is, how do we, how, what does living a holy life look like practically? And that's what Proverbs is guiding us in. It says in chapter 2, My child, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That's, that's why we're talking about this issue, issue is we want to incline our ear to God about this. We want to search out what, he, who he, what he's saying and how he guides us with this. We want to understand God's knowledge and guidance on this issue that we all deal with. And so how does God wisely guide us to wisely steward our money. What we're going to see, and we're going to see a couple different things in Proverbs. First one is this, is that God's wisdom directs us to be responsible with our resources. God's wisdom directs us to be responsible with our resources. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've been with my kids throughout the years in a Target, typically, or anywhere else, where it's, hey, I have money, not, not me, dad, they have money, because we're past the, I, my, we're focusing on their money now, they're 13 and 15. So, hey, I have money, I want this, I'm going to buy it. And you know what, let's hold off on that right now. You know, let's, let's not get that thing. But it's my money, I want to buy it. I know, but you know, you don't really need that right now. And so let's just hold off, you know, you've already asked for three different things over the last three days, like, let's just, let's just not buy, the, buy that right now but it's my money. And then what's the phrase? And I want it now. <laughs> now, again, great, great moments. Um, it's one thing to learn 
and then to relearn, something that we have to learn and we have to relearn time and time again, and sometimes we have to learn it the hard way, is that just because you have money doesn't mean that you have to spend money. And the truth on this is, is we are all eternal junior hires. We might not want to admit it, but we all get into that situation where it's like, but I want it, and I want it right now. And so how do we responsibly respond to those things? And so what we see in Proverbs is guidance on how to be responsible with what we have. One of the things it tells us is that we have to live within our means. To be responsible, you live within your means. Proverbs 27 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations. Know the conditions of your flocks. Now, I don't know everybody in here. I know a lot of you. I'm pretty confident we don't have any flocks or herds or anything like that that we have to deal with here. But what's the equivalent of that? Know the reality of your income. Know how much you have. And so if I make $500 a week, I can't spend $700 a week. If I make $1,000 a week, I can't, make, can't spend $1,500 a week. If I fill in your life to those equations. If I'm making this month much, I can't spend this much. And so it's knowing here's what I have and living within those parameters, not going over, but living within our means. If I don't have the money, then don't spend the money, which leads to the second thing, live, live within your means. We also need to be responsible by don't become enslaved to debt. It says in Proverbs 20, 37, the wicked borrow but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. It says in Proverbs 22, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And it's literally the image here of what happens with debt and the more and more debt we get in, then it's almost like we have this chain around our leg and we're just dragging cinder blocks of debt around with us. It drags us down, chains us, and we're not meant to live like that. And it's, it's, the responsibility kicks in where it's live within your means. I don't have this money yet right now, but I want it, so I'll charge it. And sure, there might be emergencies, and I know there can be a case that made or whatever, but as far as just the natural rhythm of our lives and how we go about doing things, we should not become enslaved to debt. We need to learn ourse teach ourselves and be responsible to say no and not have this, oh, I'll pay it off later. Because the more and more that that adds up, we have a mountain of stress that's looming over us that we put ourselves in. When we get into those moments where debt is a stress and we feel enslaved, we have typically no one else to blame other than ourselves. And again, I speak to myself within that. And sure, there's crises that come up and things that happen, and it's a different story. But those are the unique situations. If we become enslaved to debt of our own irresponsibility, then we are the causes of those problems. We need to be responsible and not become enslaved to debt. And one of the ways that we don't do that is the third way Proverbs guides us in being responsible is to be content with enough and not wanting more. Be content with what I have and not feeling like I'm missing something, not having that fear of missing out or something's wrong here, I have to have that. Proverbs 10 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble without it. That's a great verse. Better is a, better is a little 
with God than a ton without him. Proverbs 22, choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. And then Proverbs 30, oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. And listen to this. This is a prayer we should be praying. First, help me to never tell a lie. Be a person of integrity and of character. But then the second thing, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? But if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Not, God, God, just help me be okay with what you've given me. Help me have enough. Help me have exactly what I need. Not too little, not too much. Help me have what I need. And then be content with that. And you know how we know it battles and pushes against the spirit of contentment? Which causes us to think, well, there's something wrong and I need to have more. And what the, the, the enemy of enough is, is the comparison game. In fact, I can tell you that probably for some of us, one of the best tools, the best steps that you can take as far as managing your resources is to limit or remove your time on social media. Because what happens is we start playing the comparison game. They're doing this. They have this. They're experiencing this. I want to do that. Why can't I have that? How come I can't have that new shiny toy or that upgrade or that whatever it is? And so rather than thinking through what do I have and I'm not going to get into debt and I'm going to be content, I want to have what everybody else has. Or just what else, not only do we see the comparison game between the people that we know, but then we put ourselves in a situation where we have the, ad, the ads coming at us going, but you need this. You're missing out on this. And we have, so we have voices of comparison and voices from culture saying, that something is missing in your life. You need to have this. And that's lies. We need to find our contentment in what we have. We need to find our value in who we are in the Lord. And a sense of insecurity, a sense of um, not having value, a sense of a lack of purpose. When we don't find those things in God, then we're going to try to add other things and include other things to give us to those things and buy and obtain. I need to have this, this the, the latest and greatest. I have to have this type for this status so people will think I'm at this same level. And we create this image rather than allowing God to give us life in him, rather than finding contentment in him. We need to be responsible. And so this is where the uh, disciplines we've been talking about overlap. When we remind ourselves daily of our identity in Christ, we remind ourselves of where our value is. We remind ourselves of why, why we are who we are. We remind ourselves that we have everything that we need, that we have joy and we have purpose and we have peace and we're not missing out on anything. And so when we have that confidence and that foundation in Jesus, that combats the comparison game. That helps us navigate the lives of advertising and marketing. I, don't, I won't be tempted to go into debt and I can adequately live within my means because I'm finding value in him and not other people, other ideas, and other stuff. Does that make sense? We have to be responsible. We have to be responsible. To nick the eternal junior higher mentality, learn to say no, and be responsible with what God has given us. 
So God's wisdom directs us to be responsible. God's wisdom directs us to be intentional with our resources. Apologize. Um, every kid at some point gets a piggy bank of some sort. We're taught to begin saving. Maybe it's a piggy bank. Maybe it's a box under the bed. Maybe it's you get that savings account. Like, hey, we opened up the savings account with you. Here's your first $50, first 100 Maybe it's in college. You eventually start saving. But at some point, we're taught to start saving. And initially, at first, it starts saving because, hey, I want this big thing. Well, I'm not paying for it. You need to save up. Not that that conversation, that conversation happens all the time in our house. And so it's I'm saving to get something. But at some point, we realize that even beyond I'm going to save, which is wisdom in and of itself, I'm going to save in order to purchase things so I don't have to be in debt. We also realize the urgency of being prudent to not knowing what life has in store for us. And so we need to be ready for the unknown. And so we save for anything that could happen within life. And Scripture teaches this idea that we need to be uh, intentional with how we manage our money. We need to know where every dollar goes and how it works so things aren't just happening so that we can spend wisely but also be prepared for life as it comes about. Proverbs says in 21, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Proverbs 10, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. And Proverbs 13, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And so how, we need to be intentional. We can't just be haphazardly. We can't think about the foolish man just devouring every dollar that we have. And so being intentional is two things. One is it's knowing, like I said, where every dollar goes. Having a budget. Here's the money that I have, and here's the money, how the money is used. There isn't any arbitrary like, well, I, I just didn't even really know where this is all going. If that's our attitude toward money, that's the problem. We're not being intentional about the resources that we have. And so for some of us, maybe that's the big step. The big living holy step is I'm going to be mindful and intentional of where my money's going. I'm going to learn how to do a budget, and I'm going to live within my means that this budget guides me within. So I have to be intentional within that. For others, it's I'm not just going to spend every single thing. I'm going to put some aside. And maybe it's I'm putting some aside because I want to purchase something rather than go in debt. Maybe it's I'm putting some aside to where emergencies happen or who knows what's going to happen. I'm not going to be stuck in a really hard spot. Maybe it's I'm setting stuff aside for the future down the road. But we can't just spend everything. We have to be intentional. We have to be mindful. We have to be prudent. And so... Maybe that's the big wisdom thing for us to think about for you as you think about your resources is actually having a plan for your money. Actually having an intentional, here's what, where my money goes. I know what's happening. I'm being intentional with how I manage this. We need to be responsible with our funds. We need to be intentional with our funds. And the last thing, God's wisdom directs us to be missional directs us to be missional. It says in Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Honor the Lord with your wealth. To honor someone is to hold them in high esteem, to have their prominence. I'm holding them as most important compared to anyone else. And so what we're being told is the way that I manage my money 
the way that I use my money has to show that God is the most important thing in my life. Does, does that mean that I can't go and buy a fun thing or do fun things with my family or go to a movie or whatever that means? No, not at all. But if that's all I'm doing with my money and I'm getting in debt and I'm not paying bills and I'm not thinking of the future, that is showing that God isn't the most important thing in my life. It's showing that hedonism and in pleasure right now, that's most important. And I'm being irresponsible. And so what does honoring God with my money look like? I mean, you have to ask some really difficult questions, but honest questions. Am I using my money in a shallow mentality? Am I using my money to create an identity rather than finding my identity in him? Am I being flippant with my money, or am I really thinking through how am I, what am I doing? Is my goal to acquire more, or is my goal to honor God? Is my goal to secure a reputation for myself, or am I using my resources to make Jesus known? And that people would experience him. The most, and this is, even though it's the last point today, it's the most important point. Am I honoring God with my resources? There's obviously a lot of different ways that we can honor God with our resources. The way that we manage it, the way that we spend, and also the way that we're generous with it. And so part of our, we you know, mentioned it earlier in the service today, and we do every Sunday, part of our worship time is, we invite people to worship through giving in this place, to think through and be part of what we're doing here. And so that's part of our rhythm. That's one of the big ways that we can. It's by far not the only way. But it's one of the ways that we can be missional with our resources is what we do with the local church that we're a part of. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here at New Life Lincoln Park, um, we never push and we never guilt people, because that would be under compulsion. In fact, we mentioned offering really quickly during announcements, and then that's it. I've been at some churches before where there's like a five-minute devotional just on giving every Sunday before the offering. We would, ne I don't, would never do that. In fact, we very rarely even always teach. We do try to maybe once a year here and there, but we don't push this. We don't make it a big deal, because we don't want it to. We know what the reputation is about churches and finances in different places, we don't want it to be like we're beating people up or anything like that. But at the same time, this is an important part of the Christian walk and being um, missional with the resources that we have. And so one thing that we do is we, don't want, we want people to not be reluctant, but we want people to be joyful and excited about being part of what God is doing in this place and in our city. And so transparency is very important to us because we know transparency produces trust, and trust helps people be missional, missionally generous in what they do. And so in that, we're going to take a moment for a little bit of family time. Um, we haven't done this, like I said, a little while. I'm going to invite Ed up uh, for this. But we haven't done this in a little while simply because of COVID reality. The last two years is, you know, tyranny of the urgent. We've de dealt with some other things. But this is actually part of our norm where at least once a year where we'll have a moment where it's we want people to know here's where we're at with our finances. Here's how we're using the resources that we have. And the way that people have been generous in this place. We want people to, be, to know about that and to be upfront about that. And so as we get back to normal post-COVID, this is part of our normal. And so as we, again, encouraging people to be missional, I want to um, ask Ed if he would come up and just present a little bit about our finances and where we're at as a church. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, so for the, those who don't know me, my name is Ed. I'm part of leadership here, but also one of the roles I play uh, is a financial advisor. 
Um, I do that for this location. It's uh, coming in next year, too. I'll actually do it for five different north side locations with a new life. And so um, passion for me, I want to make sure that we're uh, stewarding our resources well. And so as Bobby mentioned, sharing this information is getting back to kind of our normal rhythm. And in that mindset, I want to give you a brief idea of um, where we've been, where we are, and where we want to go. And so I'll start with um, where we've been and where we are. Uh, first, you probably understand that New Life is a multi-site church. Um, we often use the phrase, um, one church, many locations. Um, but we are 100% location funded. Um, I will say we are 100% location funded, centrally supported. And so what that means is that to pay the salaries, to keep the lights on, uh, to purchase food for hospitality, um, that all comes out from the generosity of people week in and week out. And so um, there may be some misunderstanding sometimes when it comes to multi-site churches, at least the way that we are. We are uh, in no way centrally funded. Uh, instead, actually, we centrally fund uh, what we call some shared services to help alleviate uh, what typically can be a really big financial burden for uh, smaller locations, things like accounting, legal, human resources. Um, and so all that is, um, is through our central services. Um, give you an idea where we've at. We've been in the positive for the last 10 years. Um, we've um, been very diligent about maintaining that, and um, this hasn't always been the case, um, but it's something that we're very grateful for. Within the last few years, obviously, COVID uh, paused a lot of ministry-related expenses. We weren't buying food for Sundays when there were just three of us here in the building. Um, we weren't, uh, you know, throwing block parties. And so with that, too, we also um, received word from our central services that they asked all locations not to expend any pro money towards projects um, while the height of COVID what was going on. Um, but that got released early, late 2020, and at that point we said, okay, um, with that pause lifted, what's the future of, of our church? And we had significant funds that we had carried over from previous years and felt like it wasn't serving the church body well, just sitting there not doing anything. And so um, we knew that there were a lot of updates and renovations that we had been ignoring for years, um, and we wanted to prioritize those. And so a lot of the things that you've probably seen um, as if you've been around here the last few years, um, but I'll give you a brief idea. The next slide has a few pictures of those, but um, we uh, renovated our lobby pre-COVID. I actually remember like assembling furniture as things were getting locked down, and so it sat there for uh, the first year or so unused, but it looked really nice. Um, but that was to help uh, update that space and make it more multifunctional throughout the week and um, on Sundays. Um, we had just replaced these old projectors too in February 2020 uh, with the new screens. And so um, those have gotten good use. And then we knew our kids' spaces needed a lot of renovations. And so this involved uh, new flooring, paint, furniture throughout all the rooms, renovating the family bathroom. Um, we did new flooring and paint throughout the whole basement too. And, and then we also had to do some minor repairs this last year, um, including our west parapet wall and um, the roof above um, the apartment. And then lastly, as we went this year, we recognized the need to continue to update our technology to support streaming. And we know even at the height of COVID um, and into the future that this would be something that we'd want to offer. And so, you know, it started with adding a camera um, and live stream equipment and then confidence monitor. And then last year, this, we updated all of our sound equipment. And so uh, I hope that within that, you can see what these things were. These were all ministry 
emission-focused decisions. How can we make this space uh, serve the church and the neighborhood better? And as we end 2020, we um, anticipate we'll be carrying over a smaller balance, but we've made some great investments that we know will serve this uh, church body well um, for years to come. Um, and so where are we going? Um, as we look forward, we ask where we're going, and we don't feel an immediate need for any uh, major building projects, so our focus turns internally and externally. And so I'll start with internally. We would love to grow our team. Currently, um, our compensated positions include a location pastor, an office manager, and a children's ministry director. Um, and then we uh, contract out our, our custodial services. This hasn't always been possible. In fact, all of these roles at one point in my time here have been fulfilled in a non-compensated um, volunteer way, uh, including the location pastor. And so, um, but we feel it's really important that we can find ways to compensate these people because it not only maintains consistency, but hopefully um, lowers burnout and by offering these roles is compensated. Um, so if we were to grow, our, our desire would be to have somebody more in a discipleship family pastor type of role um, someone that could help, you know, with the spiritual growth of this location and really um, pour into the people here and then continue to keep us connected with the neighborhood. Um, as we look externally, uh, currently, I'll give you an idea, we do support uh, missionaries, Mark and Josie Condra. Um, we were just talking about them last week. Um, this is their church home, and so we provide about 10% of their monthly need um, as they serve in Southeast Asia. And um, we also always make efforts to step up whenever there's a special offering. Uh, so this includes the $14,000 our location raised uh, last month to help support New Life Centers um, in their annual giving. Um, and, and throughout COVID, people gave generously to our benevolence funds so that we could help support people that were in need um, at, in our church body and in the neighborhood. And then 10% of our, when we talked about those central missions too, 10% of those funds do go to um, new Life's um, missions, both local and abroad, including church planting. So, um, so we support in that way also. As we think about growth, what that might mean could be new missionaries, um, being able to support additional missionaries. So, um, and the goal through that also too is we don't want to just support them financially. We'd love to be able to um, support them through prayer and then support them with people, being able to go there and visit them and walk alongside them in, in the work that they're doing. Um, and then I would love to be able to turn some of these type of special offerings that we do into more regular um, type of support. And so um, I think it would be something that would be fun to dream about. I, I love the way that we've come along New Life Centers and what if this location could help uh, fund one of their programs annually every year. Um, those types of things I would love to see us continue to do. Um, and then lastly, we would love to be able to, to launch another New Life location. Um, for those that aren't aware, in late 2017, early 2018, we were actively looking to plant in Lincoln Square, Andersonville areas. We went as far as looking into rental buildings, talking with existing churches about um, potential restarts. And for some reason, the timing just never felt right. Um, I could share personally, like I was disappointed. It just never seemed to come together. I wondered if it would ever happen. Um, but today I can sit here saying that I'm so grateful um, because I don't know if that church could have survived the last few years. I don't know if this church could survive the last two years, if that whole core group of people had been split up. Um, so I, I know God is working within that. And I'm grateful for it. Um, 
you know, we don't have specific timing for a new location, but we know it's part of the DNA, part of the culture of this church, and so we, that's something that we do feel called to do and, and would love to do in the future. So I take this time today to discuss church finances. I don't want you to ever hesitate in asking questions. Um, for those that give, please know we desire transparency. Um, you don't have to go far into the headlines to see the damage caused when churches are not transparent um, with their finances. And I'll say this is one area where I'm very grateful for our model. Um, new life structure, there are multiple people who act as safeguards. Advancing um, sort of abuse, help ensure that we're good stewards of our funds. It takes multiple levels of approvals to um, have these things, different campus pastors talking to each other. Um, we try and make sure that we're doing that with wisdom. And so within this location, please know I'm always available. Ask questions. We've prepared a handout um, in the back. Um, for those that love numbers and charts, uh, this is your jam. Um, it has uh, all our expenses this year. Um, gives you some idea about contributions, some other ways, again, to where those tithes and offerings are going. And so um, my email is also up on the screen there. If you ever have specific questions, you're welcome to email me. I'll be af here after service, too, if you want to grab me and um, seek any clarification or, or set up a time to chat further. Um, I'm also always happy to help answer questions if you're having issues with online giving or curious about how to give. Um, I'll leave you with just a simple prayer of thanks. Um, I'm thankful for how consistent people have been while they've been here. Um, we know that many churches are not in the same location. Many churches in Chicago, um, many churches in New Life even, are, are struggling to keep their doors open. And so um, I am so thankful that, that we've been able to um, see a level of consistency. And then I can't help but thank God for that because um, he's just continued to show up for this church body in um, ways that, that are unexpected. And while this can be a really transient location, God continues to pe put people here for a short time or a long time uh, that have generous hearts. And so um, thank you guys so much. I'll go ahead and invite Bobby back up to close. Thanks, Ed. Let's hear it for Ed. And... Um, Probably definitely needs to hear it a lot. Uh, when I came in, I've been part of New Life for about 14 years, but when I came into Lincoln Park about 11 years ago, our location was in the red by like $20,000 or more. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a number, I'm, I'm Bible school, man. This isn't my, I can, I can balance my checkbook, but uh, so right away it was, hey, we need people that this is their thing. And so Ed was part of that and a couple other people that were part of the church, and they became our financial team. They figured out the budget. They figured out spending procedures and a lot of different things that year. We literally went from 20000 in the red to, I forget what it was, in the black within one year and then have been in the black every year since then. So, again, praise God. But what's awesome is for me to see is, like, with Ed and those, and if this is your jam, like, what they did that first year 10 years ago is what was implemented across all of New Life. And so the financial team, an advisor, different budget-type things, and so I'm just really grateful for uh, Ed and what he does in this place. And, and those of you, if this is your jam, like you just can't wait to get back and look at that chart and numbers, uh, then please see him because, I mean, we definitely want other people. God has given different people gifts, and God has given people their passions. And if that's yours, then praise God for that. And if you're looking for a way to serve in that regard, um, you know, there's always a place. And so that's a really important thing. We do this because, again, we want you to feel confident and um, and have a sense of confidence to be able to be generous here and know why things are, happen 
and what we're trying to do. Um, we need to be intentional, we need to be responsible, and we need to be missional. So a couple last comments here. New Life has always, remember when I first came into New Life, I think within a year somebody taught on this, and I've heard it all the time ever since. It's kind of like the core principle that we try to uh, help people with is 10, 10, 80. This isn't a absolute biblical law. It's not in the Ten Commandments. It's not like a third tablet that says, and then 10, 10, 80. It's, this is when we look at different biblical principles, here's a way that we can navigate this. And so the way that we have suggested you start with, you start thinking through managing your resources, is be an, uh, man- missional with 10%, be intentional, save 10%, and they'd be responsible, live on the 80%. And so thinking through, like, okay, and again, this has been, I mean, again, 14 years ago, and ever since then, this is how our family operates. And it has been helpful. It's been life-changing in many ways, because it's like getting my mind around this. That alert pops up. I'm like, that is one of the things I get an alert on. Paychecks here, immediately, boom, offering, 10% there. Next transaction, savings, 10%. And okay, how are we going to do everything else with the 80 and this is just how we've been able to operate. And we've seen how it's been a uh, help to our family and guidance. And maybe, you know, there's different times and different people where you're in different seasons. Maybe you're in a season where you can only save 5% because you're trying to get out of some debt. Maybe you're in a season where God has really just blessed you and there's abundance. So you're able to be missional more than 10%. But it's at least a starting place. And for some of us, that may be the thing that you needed to hear today is you need a starting place. And just that simple template of what does it look like to give 10, save 10, and then live on 80. And so um, if you hear that and it's like, yeah, but like you feel the stress and the anxiety coming on, Proverbs 12 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise person listens to advice. Proverbs 15 says, without counsel, plans fail, and with many advisors, they succeed. If this is an area of stress to you, then the answer is to get help. Um, It is a thing of strength to get help. It's a thing of weakness to keep doing it on your own. And so if this is an area of your life where it's like, I really struggle with this. I, Yeah, I get the whole idea, but even how do you begin? Again, there are people in this church where that's their thing. And so they can give you some guidance or we can point you to resources, point you to programs that can help with that. But if this is an area you need help in, be wise and get help within that. Uh, For all of these different uh, messages within this series, We've given everybody a challenge for every week. Again, get up and remind yourself of your identity in Jesus. Spend 10 to 15 minutes meditating on God's word. Uh, invite somebody. Have, be hospitable. And I hope you've been able to do that one. If you, invite, connect with people. Um, but for today, for this one, it's actually a two-parter. And so the first part is we're giving you a book. And so this is a gift that we want to give to everybody as you leave today. So um, individuals grab one or couples grab one for the two of you. It's called The Treasure Principle. And so challenge part one is to read this book. Um, I would challenge you to even read it this week. And let me make a pitch for that. See how small this book is? Um, pages are really, really small. And when you get into the meat of it, it's like a less than 120 pages. And when you open it up, wide margins, big spaces. I hate re- this is This is like low-hanging fruit reading a book. This is not War and Peace. This is the opposite, all right? So, but this is a book by Randy Alcorn. And just... Great practical advice from a biblical standpoint of how do we manage what God has given us. And so we have one of these for everybody. We want you to be able to read this. And maybe, oh, I think I've had that from a long time ago. Read it. 
get it, read it again. And so uh, just again, to keep, so this isn't just, okay, I heard Bobby talk about that. And I'm going about the rest of my week. No, we, we have to be doers of God's word. We have to, we have to do this. Like we have to do everything else. We have to work at holiness. And so this is going to help us to work at holiness. The other part, too, is in the book we have one of these, and I didn't pass this out, um, but this is a spending plan analysis. And so it's just a simple one-page sheet to get you started thinking about your resources. What are you making? What is your income? Uh, what's coming in and what's going out? And so here's what that currently looks like, and here's how I need to make some adjustments. And so just to sit down and begin looking at the numbers, and again, if you're like, then let us know that, and we can get you some help on somebody that would sit down with you to help process this. But it's not going to do it itself. You can manage your money, or your money can manage you. And we have a pretty big age spectrum in this church, which is one of the things I love the most. We have a lot of college students. We have a lot of 20s and 30s who look like college students. Uh, we have north of that who look even better than college students. Um, <laughs> and so wherever you're at within this, we need this skill. It doesn't matter where you're at. College students, get just out of college, oh, I'll figure that out later. No, you need to figure it out yesterday. Some of us north of that, maybe you never had somebody sit down. Maybe you've never been challenged. We, we need to be about this. And so this is just a simple starting place. And if you need more help, please ask. That's what on the connection card, prayer request, other, check that, and we will get you the help that you need. Amen? All right, we're going to end today by receiving communion. And so um, I'm going to ask the ushers if you could begin passing out the elements. Um, worship team, if you want to come up. Uh, if you've never done communion with us, what's going to happen is our team's going to pass some different trays around. One of them's going to have a thing of juice in it. The other one's going to have bread. Just take one of each and hold on to that. We'll do, uh, receive the elements together and just uh, after a moment. Uh, when the tray with the bread comes by, uh, there's a smaller little dish that looks like this in it. And so that has gluten-free bread. And so if that's something you need, uh, go ahead and take it from there. We always take a moment just to be quiet before we receive communion and basically feed on what God has given us through his word. And so how has this encouraged us? Uh, how has this challenged us? And so I want to read one passage for you as we go into communion. This is from Philippians chapter 3. Paul says this, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And Paul is basically saying everything else is garbage compared to knowing Jesus. And that basically gives us a, a guiding principle on how we should see our everything that we have. Our money, our stuff, all of it is God is what's most important. And so why end a financial message and talking about financial wisdom on a passage like this and with communion. Because at the cross, we see what truly matters. At the cross, we see the result of vain pride, pride, vain pursuits. I need more, I want more. We see the re result of sin. At the cross, we see who truly, lovingly pursues us and cares for us and provides for us. At the cross, we see what gives us, who gives us purpose and joy and meaning and peace beyond what anything we have on this world can give us. And so this reminds us of who we are and what's most important. 
And so again, while the elements are being passed around, we're just going to be quiet before the Lord for a moment, prayerfully. And however this message sets with you, pray to him about that or just be quiet and allow him to speak to your heart and then we'll receive communion together. So God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would make us aware of your presence and sensitive to your voice. Speak to us now in this quiet. with me and we'll receive it. We hold a piece of bread that represents and reminds us of Jesus' body broken for us. We hold some juice that represents his blood shed for us. A death that we should have done, that we deserved. A death he didn't deserve, but he died in our place so that we can know forgiveness of sins. So we can be washed clean through his blood. His death reminds us of the, the tomb that is empty because he conquered sin. He conquered death and he rose from the dead, inviting us into new life. We forget these things. We get apathetic toward these things. And we need to be reminded of God's immense, amazing love for us, the life that he provides, and how from that it then guides us in how to live our lives. We become really dormant in our faith sometimes. We become really apathetic sometimes. We miss sight of the amazing, amazing love of God for us. And communion is meant to remind us of that. That we are loved, that we are cared for, that we are pursued, and that we're not alone. And so God, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you're God and we're not. We're grateful for all that you've done that we couldn't do and never could. We're grateful for the fact that we have hope. We're grateful, God, that we have joy that goes beyond our circumstances. We're grateful, God, that we have peace that goes beyond our understanding. We just thank you so much for this life, this resurrected life, this life of forgiveness that we have in you. Forgive us for the times when we find, try to find value in things and stuff and money or anything else. Remind us to come back and look to who you are and be reminded of who you are that we are your children and we're cared for. God, I'm so grateful for you and I'm grateful for what you're doing in this place. We're grateful for your death and we're grateful for your resurrection. We just say that all of this in your name. Let's receive the elements together. We're grateful for your broken body. 
for your shed blood. We're grateful for the cross and the empty tomb and this life we have in you. In your name, amen. I really appreciate um, the just how our worship team guides us in, in worship and coming before the Lord, especially today with the music, just songs of God's promise and God's faithfulness. And to that end, we're going to sing...